Support for X-Ray FM comes from P-Town Couriers, LLC, a local bicycle food delivery company delivering to the Portland metro area in an hour or less. More information and a list of local eateries they work with can be found at pdxccc.com. And now, it is time for News with My Dad, the show where we talk about the news with my dad. And in studio, live, playing the role of my dad is, in fact star of our show, my dad, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? I'm loaded for bear. This is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout out? I have two shout outs this morning. First, I want to shout out for Demir Yusupov or Yusupov, however he pronounce it. The pilot who successfully landed his large commercial airline with hundreds of people on board after it suffered a bird strike, landing it in a cornfield. It didn't get anywhere near the news that Sully got when he landed successfully on the Hudson River and saved everybody, but it's every bit as remarkable because the, the really the big news for Sully was all of the ships that quickly came and the boats that came and rescued everybody before the airplane sank. But Sully was landing on what basically is a soft surface. Demir was landing on a very hard surface. I've never tried to dive into a cord field, but it seems like it would be more painful than diving into water. Off, off, just a little bit too hard, and you got a fire that gets everybody... And it, it gives you the, the lack of publicity that he got just shows the difference between when you have access to a major media outlet and somebody got pictures of the thing. And, and for, for a, lot of, uh, a lot of white and Anglo uh, news announcers, saying Sully Sullenberger is easier than saying the name that you had a hard time pronouncing <laughs> this morning. That's perhaps true. My second shout-out, I'm shouting out for the American Medical Association, the AMA, which has decided to withdraw from the Partnership for America's Healthcare Future, which is an intra-organizational coalition put forth because they want to oppose any federal care, federal health care proposals. And the AMA, perhaps influenced by its younger membership, has decided that really isn't good for the American sick person or healthy people well, people keep well. My compliments to the AMA. Well, I wanted to start out with a shout out also. It's a shout out to Zeke. Zeke, who is an intrepid uh, member of the news team here and often the leading member of the news team here. And this weekend was uh, on the scene uh, collecting information at the protests. And much love to Zeke, who's a, to Zeke, who's a, to Zink. Do you mean yeah. to say we were doing as absolute first-person news coverage? Yeah, we, we were doing first. Whoa! I mean, we we gives you and me a little too much too much credit, Bob. <laughs> I mean, we we might Zeke. we we might be a little bit friendly to you and me, but it, it certainly Zeke did, and he's a critical member of our community. And special shout out for this special thing. Uh, but during the Proud Boy demonstration, local and national media outlets focused on tensions, looked at the fight, looked at police tactics, looked at a few scuffles, but on the ground. An estimated 1,200 Portlanders used a variety of tactics to celebrate unity and solidarity uh, against fascism. Uh, Vogue dancers with the Kiki House of Flora gave a raucous performance that energized the crowd. A marching band of anti-fascist bananas. Banana band! We, the we, banana the, band! The banana block, Pop. We, we talked to the banana block on Thursday. Uh, and one demonstrator named Will had this to say. Opposed to fascism and the city of Portland's opposed to fascism and we need to stop it before uh, it becomes any more legitimate than, than it's already become in this country. And just one follow-up here. If I could ask, what do you hope the best outcome for today is? Uh, I hope it brings more attention to the issue uh, <laughs> the fact that there is a fascist movement rising in this country and we need to do everything we can to resist it before it uh, before it becomes impossible to resist it. So. You don't want to ask him about the five years he served in the Marine Corps? <laughs> I don't know. Would you like to speak about your five years in the Marine Corps? Um, I mean, yeah, there's not much to say other than, yeah, I, I was in the Marines for five years, and that's, uh, as, a, as a veteran, I think it's our job as 
to support the country in resisting fascism. I, I think that uh, it's our patriotic duty to do that and not let you know our national or our national identity be twisted into something evil and hateful. Awesome. So. Mayoral candidate Sarah Anarone was on hand uh, collecting feminine hygiene products, and she had this to say. Well, everything I do is about building a stronger community in Portland. So when I hear that the alt-right is going to descend on our city from out of town, my goal is to make sure that my community is as strong and protected as possible. So when you look around here today, folks on the radio can't see, but there are so many people dressed in colorful, joyful, positive messaging. Um, costumes, community events. We're organizing a menstrual product drive that um, I'm laughing because I'm seeing some panty liners on a sign over there. Uh, menstrual product drive for women and families in the shelter that just opened up near my house. The outcome for me would be to let people who are bigots, who are racists, misogynists know that there's no room for hate in our city. And I don't feel like a police response, a militarized police response, is what we need to be doing. Communities, strong communities gathering together, um, cooperating, collaborating, and doing pro-social behavior is really the answer. Also, a group of people dressed as chefs had gathered covered in a white powdery substance, and one offered this. Standing with a small group of people, with chef hats, they have signs that say white flower. Uh, what's your name and why are you here today? My name is Labrie Rich, and I'm here to humorously deflect white supremacy. And is there a punchline with white flower? Well, I, 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 my sign actually says wife power. So wife power, white flower rhymes with white power. And it's as arbitrary as white power is. I was going to say, I, it's kind of because white power is a bunch of nonsense. Absolutely. Pretty much. Although white flower is a very serious matter. It is. What, what can we make with white flour? Well, um, I mean, if you sift it, you can make very light and airy cakes and cookies. Resist the carbs. Although there were some skirmishes, including a pair of Proud Boy school buses that suffered smashed windows, a heavy police presence kept opposing groups far apart. Individuals in one of the buses have been identified as members of the white supremacist group American Guard. About 45 minutes on the waterfront, the Proud Boys after that were reportedly told police they were ready to leave. To leave. Police then escorted them across the Hawthorne Bridge, which had been closed uh, to the east side. Some criticized the fact that no groups had permits to march on the streets, but only the Proud Boys were allowed to take to the streets. Over loudspeakers, opposition groups were told they would be arrested for being in the street. On the east side, while walking back to their cars, many Proud Boy and white right-wing demonstrators were confronted by random non-protesting Portlanders who vocally told them to leave. I saw at least one of these videos where a guy went and said F you to all of the races he could see, including to the dog who was near them. Who it was, you know, I don't know I don't know what side the dog was on. We didn't have a chance to ask the dog. It, there was sort of a game of cat and mouse emerging at one point with different groups crossing different bridges at different times. Some looking for fights, some avoiding fights. Later in the day, some opposition demonstrators gathered on the streets near Pioneer Square. Uh, at one point, police did declare a civil disturbance, but as the crowd calmed, police pulled back. Eventually, demonstrator numbers grew thinner and thinner. All in all, 13 people were arrested on Saturday, mostly on charges of disturbing the peace, failure to comply, or interfering with law enforcement. Two individuals were jailed and released. Nine were cited and released. Florida-based Proud Boys organizer Joe Biggs vowed to return until Mayor Wheeler declares Antifa an enemy of Portland and restores order. Of course, he said that so that people like me would say that also and try to put the focus elsewhere. Dad, thoughts you have? I ended up getting in a, a conversation at least I found interesting at a wedding I attended on Saturday night The when somebody I know is currently a law student in another state but who grew up here asked what I thought about the protest and I offered my thoughts. But let me ask you, what do you, either in terms of the mayor's conduct or in terms of the protesters' conduct or in terms of the media's conduct, what comments do you have, what reflections do you have on the great run-up to the, I don't know, protests of some size this weekend? Thank you for asking because that's what I wanted to start with this morning. <clears throat> the big thing that I come away with is typified is capsulized, is demonstrated 
by the headline in the Oregonian, which says to me how irresponsible, ir, ir, irresponsible, so much of today's media, mainstream media, because you'd have to say the Oregonian was in, is in Portland a mainstream medium, and the headline was, it fizzles. It fizzles. Now, why do they use fizzles? Well, nobody got killed. Nobody got beat up. They're promoting a fight, and there wasn't a big enough fight. Hundreds of people weren't hurt. It fizzled when the headline should have been something like, Love won. The bananas and the chefs and the rest of the folks who turned out to make it very clear that we are not dominated by the Antifa, they won. I'm just hoping that whoever it was that broke the windows of the bus get arrested and get prosecuted. Those folks who come in wearing masks and, and come to break things, who do not believe in government, do not believe in organized society, they are bad people. I don't care what you say, they are bad people. But it was a success because love won. And the media is disappointed because nothing really bad happened. Because their fight promoters didn't get their fight. That's they're, exactly they're, right. They're, they're Don King, and the heavyweights didn't show up and knock each other around in the face. What, what would have what would have justified them saying it was a great success? Ten people killed. <laughs> the uh, and that is one comment. So somebody asked me what I thought about the protest, and I uh, and my response, Pop. I don't know if I should be proud or ashamed, uh, but my response began with, "Well, you asked me about the protest. Let me begin with the Magna Carta." And I, and I offered instead a contextual view of what I thought was happening in democracy, which the short version is that there is so much attention on where the fight is. And if I were Vladimir Putin or if I were Donald Trump, uh, I would, uh, if I were a would-be or an actual authoritarian leader, I would want to, and we know this because Vladimir Putin uh, has a former theater director who's a, uh, who's a leading advisor of his who helps run his communications shop, who has in the past rigged protests, who's created little protests and, and choreographed little groups. And some of them are paid by the state and some of them are just encouraged by the state and others are encouraged by those who are encouraged. And they go and they create an illusion of democracy. They create an illusion of there being some, uh, some civil tension uh, they can then be identified, can be marginalized, can be criticized, can be made fun of, uh, can be diffused, can be limited, uh, and make it look like, well, you don't really... And also made uh, marginalized in, term, in social proof terms. So they say, well, I don't really want to be like either of them, either of those both sides, either of those extremists. Uh, and so I re what I really want to focus on... Uh, for most of my discussion about protests is, you know, give us a chance to look at the broader context, what's happening with broader democracy, what's happening with people's chance to have real voice. That said, there are at least two views, it seems, that we have on this show. One view is the, pop, is the view that Pop just shared, which is, uh, which is essentially, can be stated in grumpy fashion, but that says, hey, listen, if you are... Uh, if you well, Dad, why don't you say it? you you spend you spend some of your energy criticizing some sector of protesters, including protesters who are purportedly there to resist fascism, uh, without giving without spending too much time on that. I, I don't want to I want to make sure I don't put words in your mouth. You want to offer your view quickly? Protesters or counter protesters who come to express a political viewpoint and do so peacefully, although they may shout out things and express anger, but do so peacefully, that's, that's something that I believe is fundamental to the American way. People who come intending to break windows, people who come intending to hurt people physically, that is not the American way. And I just, and, and the Antifa folk who do that, the Antifa folk who come to express a point of view and to oppose a point of view and to do so peacefully, hey, that's what America is all about. 
But those who come because they really don't believe in government, they really don't believe in organized society, and they really are just angry and want to hurt people physically or hurt property physically, boy, let me tell you, I'd go after them hammer and tongs. And I think there is the risk of a taste great, less filling argument. Uh, and in fact, not only the risk of it, I observe it, I watch it, I listen to it, I read it. And when I say a taste great, less filling argument, I hearken back to the old Miller Lite ads where one group of people started out, I think, with athletes and fans of, and, and fans of given sports teams who would, who would stand up and yell, taste great. And then the other team would, uh, would stand up and say, less filling. And the other, uh, then the first team again would say, taste great. And then in response, less filling. The idea, the joke being that they were arguing, the joke being that they were in tension, that they were in conflict and in tension. The, uh, but of course, what Miller Lite was trying to say was it was both, and the joke was that it was both. There are at least two views here that can overlap, can inter- can intersect, and not merely oppose. And one of those is when uh, when folks say, "Listen, you can't equate, you can't equate someone who is proposing fascism." and someone who is opposing fascism. You can't, those are not, the fact that most of us are blessed with a right and a left hand does not mean that one of those belongs on your right hand and one of those belongs on your left hand. It equates to half your brain in your hemispheres and half the world in a globe that has hemispheres. It's it's not half the equation. Those are not equitable. Those are not, uh, we we should not both sides those two different things. and I couldn't agree more. And then the other, and another view is that as we give social power, as we give attention to movements, as we give attention to movement leaders, we should be giving attention to movements and movement leaders. This is a softer way of, uh, 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 my softer view to some degree, but it overlaps at least with Pops, that models behavior that we'd want to follow, that can demonstrate that, it, uh, that you'd want that crew to be in charge. And that when that the greatest uh, protest leaders, the greatest demonstration leaders of all time, modeled their uh, modeled their values in their protest, and in doing that, they helped win the argument. It helped in doing that. Other people looked and said, "Well, I might not be a part of that protest, but I think I'd like those people being in charge. I think I'd like to agree with them in some way." Just Where, for the just for the fun of it, on that line, who would you name as the three greatest protesters? During my lifetime. Oh, during your lifetime. Yes. I was going to say of all time, I was going to go. No, I, just, just my I, lifetime. I, well, let me, let me do it. I had three ready. I have to think for your three. But the three I were going to say, I was going to go Jesus Christ, Gandhi, Martin Luther King. Uh, if I, if, for your lifetime, you were not alive when Jesus Christ in corporeal form was around, as far as I can tell. So, the, so, but, but I, I, so I would keep King and Gandhi. And if I needed a third, uh, oh, boy. Uh, Nate, I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, you. You've named two of my three. Um, okay. You want to know my third? Well, sure. Mandela. Okay. All right. And what was what set them apart? Well, they were big believers in peaceful protest. And and what did Mandela do? <laughs> he fostered he fostered a a forgiveness that was yeah. critical to the success of. The, and, and and this is why and this is why I link it. To, this is why and I I brought up in this ended up being kind of a long conversation at a wedding that was of, you know relatively conservative people that the that bringing up COINTELPRO that if you wanted to discredit if you wanted to discredit protesters you'd make them violent if you wanted to make it if you wanted to discredit a social cause which could grow with enough strength like the music of John Lennon or like the oratory of Martin Luther King or like the governance of John Kennedy, if you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to eliminate uh, or marginalize forces that could end up disrupting a power structure that is too much dominated by, too much dictated by, uh, not democracy, but by ownership, by who inherited or otherwise was bequeathed or granted or st- stole or took uh, property, that in order to marginalize those movements, you'd want people who weren't directly part of those movements to look at them and say, I'm not part of that. That does not reflect my values. That isn't something I would root for. And you might do the very things that we know happened in previous social movements, which you'd prompt them to do bad things within those movements. 
And then all of a sudden that helps reduce the rhetorical power, the movement power, the philosophical power, the moral authority of those groups. And so without wanting to equate, I think there is a moment to, I think there is a moment to say we want a smart and benevolent movements. And that's also as media members not fall into a trap that I already fear we fall into the trap a little bit too much of focusing so much just on a couple broken windows. The same thing was true right after the 2016 election. You know, are we more concerned about a couple broken windows in banks? Are we more concerned about a banking system that crushed the economy for the benefit uh, because it was pursuing strategy for the benefit of very, very few people at the cost of very, 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 very many people? Don't want to equate those things. That might be enough on that. But I want to particularly give a shout out to the people who came with love. And, Dad, the main point you wanted to make, which is that love won. They were the heroes. They were the heroes of Saturday. The folks who came as bananas, the folks who came as flower power, they were the heroes of that event. And I see it is just frightening to me, frightening to me how many evidences of growing division in this country and DDT, and those who don't understand because you haven't listened to this program before what DDT means, the middle D is Donald, the T is Trump, the first D is you pick, despicable, deplorable, disgusting, you, you keep pick whatever that's D catch you up, like. But, we'll see. but anyway, the DDT fosters and DDT encourages, but he is not the cause as much, well, he is a cause, but he is also a symptom of the divisions. And just some examples. The United Methodists, United Methodists, get that first word, United Methodists. There is a plan to split the United Methodists being brought by folks who are opposed to LGBT people, opposed to recognition, opposed to to liberty for folks who have different sexual orientation, to split the United Methodists into two I don't know if they'll call it United Methodist number one and United Methodist number two, but to split it. In Bloomington, Indiana, they have a wonderful, wonderful farmer's market. And that farmer's market is being trashed, not physically trashed, but emotionally trashed and culturally trashed because there is one folk, one farmer that sells honey and other products that has said some things that indicates that they think white people are being oppressed. And so there's a huge thing against them. People putting out, don't buy these from these are Nazis. And what these folks are saying is those people don't have a right to live because we disagree with them politically. Laurie Sheck, who is a professor at the New York City New School, teaches a class on radical questioning. Now, radical questioning strikes me as a title that would suggest there are going to be disquieting ideas necessarily discussed in the class. And she is being disciplined, and there are demands for her to be fired because she used the, quote, N-word, close quote, and I realize I can't say what that word is because it's become just not okay to see. But she used the word in talking about James Baldwin, who in his writings used that word all the time. And how can you talk about James Baldwin without saying what he said? And she's being threatened with discipline for just using a word. And I just ask, where does it end? So folks, who came for the flower and folks who came with the bananas and folks who came not to be violent but to say we do, we recognize your right to believe what you believe and we believe what you believe is really wrong and here's a better way here is a better way and demonstrated the better way hooray for all of you I want to start this segment with talking about the presidential race, and that may segue to whatever you want to talk about with respect to the national politics. But there, I, I want to give a hat tip to a hat tip to the media analysis that showed. I'm pretty sure it was CNN that was showing disapproval ratings, and it showed the net disapproval, and and it showed that the three leading Democratic candidates have net disapproval. Uh, of course, Donald Trump has net disapproval in the high teens. 
but uh, Joe Biden, I think, has a net disapproval of, I think, four points. I think Bernie Sanders has a, or maybe maybe Biden was three. I think Sanders had a net disapproval, I think, four. And Elizabeth Warren had a net disapproval of one. Okay. I think it is very likely the next president of the United States will have a net disapproval rating. There are at least two things, though, that were interesting about that. About and, that. and you should explain what is meant by net disapproval. Oh, so they, it's like... That's just subtracting the disapprove from the approve. Yeah, that 31% of the people approve of, of Elizabeth Warren, 32% of the people disapprove of Elizabeth Warren, and the rest, and the rest haven't don't yet, recognize or, her or somewhere in between, right? You know, somewhere either, either who is that or, I don't know, some, you know, somewhere in between. And the uh, and there are at least two takeaways from the analysis, and I think it's a helpful understanding for modern politics, which is so negative, uh, which is, first of all, re- recognizing that there can be a difference in net disapproval, that being negative 14 or negative 15, uh, or, or, or even more than that, but, you know, in that ballpark for the current president of the United States is very different than being negative one or negative three. But the other was, what, do, what about, what happens? How do the votes get split up betwixt candidates? who both have negative approval. One of the reasons that Donald Trump won, if you look at the, in the states where he won, and of course he lost by 3 million votes in the popular vote, I get that. But in the states where he won, he won a much, much larger percentage of voters who disapproved both of him and of Hillary Clinton. So if you didn't like both of them, if you say, oh, I don't like either of these people, all I've seen is negative ads, all I've seen is negative stories, all I've seen is, is, is stuff about uh, emails for Hillary Clinton and, and stuff about a whole slew of things for Donald Trump, uh, I don't like either of these people, but a significant majority of those people voted for Donald Trump. Now, if you look at that same thing versus Biden, I didn't see the same thing broken down with, with Donald Trump versus other Democratic candidates, but I saw it with Biden. 40% of the people who were, uh, or was it 45? And I think it was between 40 and 45% of the people who disapproved of all of the candidates in the race, essentially. Uh, 40% of those people would vote for Biden. 10% of those people would vote for Trump. So that's interesting. If we're in a world, so we're, we tend to be, we tend to be in a world it's like, okay, well, here's your fans, here's your enemies. You're going to have fans and your enemies. Well, in a world where democracy itself is under attack, in, it, in a world where our systems of governance themselves are under attack, where everybody involved in them is under attack and, and greater criticized and it has it benefits from less faith and approval and most of the conversation is negative and toxic, then, uh, well, there still will be choices made. One, some set of choices made will be people not voting, but there will still be choices made, including people casting ballots. And so that analysis of who wins between people who are both disapproved of. It's a huge flip. If Donald Trump, and I, I remain optimistic, my wife thinks that, that Donald Trump is pretty darn likely to be reelected president. I think he's less likely to be reelected president. And there is a possibility that I'm merely a Pollyanna. But when I, I look at facts like that, and, and it, they suggest to me, or they at least provide evidence for my hope, for my Pollyannishness, that if you have, that not only did Hillary Clinton win a, a plurality of the popular vote, but also she did that in a context of when high disapproval for both candidates ended up sending more votes to Donald Trump. In this context, even you have two differences potentially. One, smaller negatives. Uh, and I think even with Donald, even with Donald Trump saying Pocahontas 150 million times, even with him trying to say that Joe Biden is old, even however many times he tries to say uh, tries to say that Bernie Sanders is crazy, whatever he does, I think it's pretty likely that whoever the Democratic nominee is going to be, has, and I say that, you know, maybe it'll be Kamala Harris, maybe it'll be Pete Buttigieg, maybe it'll be somebody else, maybe it'll be Cory Booker, maybe it'll be somebody else. But the I think it's pretty likely that the disapproval for those candidates will be lower than disapproval for Hillary Clinton because they haven't had... 30 years to try to take down that person as they had with Hillary Clinton and they being a significant media and propaganda apparatus has been going after Hillary and Bill Clinton for 30 years. It was one of the raison d'etre for Fox News for two decades at least. 
And the other is, and that, and what I had never occurred to me before is, how do you pick between? How do you pick between people that you don't like either of them? And if that goes from a significant majority for Trump of those kind of people who are sort of saying the screw everybody, the screw everybody kind of voter, but if you now have a significant plurality or majority of the people who are screw everybody going for Donald Trump's opponent, well, that could spell that could spell doom for his empire. And I have a, I have a theory for why those folks who didn't like either candidate in '16 went for Trump, and that is these were people who were angry at the system, and what he came along was he was angry at the system, and he condemned the system, and he c- deceived them into thinking that he was going to change the system for the better instead of doubling down on the system and making it worse. And, and he played to their anger. I'm angry too. It's awful. You're being screwed. I'm going to see to it. And they felt screwed and they felt angry. And by golly, here's somebody who feels like I do. So he's got to be the lesser of two evils. I have a very important correction. I have a very important correction. And thank you to the X-ray community for texting this important uh, correction in the so when I was talking about a video that went around that showed a guy that was not part of any formal protest but going around to the racists and saying F-U-F-U he did not only use a single letter in saying that he said F-U-F-U-F-U and then he said the same thing to the dog according to our intrepid uh, our intrepid x-ray community no he did not he said you're cool to the dog he was not. He was not upset with the dog. Now that was not my initial reading, but I, I vastly prefer the, the interpretation of our of our listener, and so I'm going to I'm going to defer to the interpretation of our listener, if only because I want truth to comport with my uh, deep love of of, of uh, quadrupeds. And while we're talking about the presidential race, uh, wondering who is going to be the next person to drop out, Hickenlooper has now dropped out. John Delaney ought to be the next person to drop out, but he, he is, he's already spent 20 million bucks. He's been in Iowa for a year and a half, and he had, he had two events over the weekend, at least two events over the weekend, and do you know what the turnout was for them? No. Well, in the second one, he got 15. In the first one, he got 11. <laughs> 11. That's 26 people. And he is persisting. The, the egoism that is t- imbibed by many people who run for president is just really I don't, I don't astonishing. Have, I don't have a citation for this. I should have written down the citation but the, to give credit where credit was due. But the thing that I read was, uh, Democrats have a better understanding of sociology and of policy. Uh, but the Republican apparatus has a better understanding of psychology. Now, without wanting to endorse that view, and, and I will, I will uh, say, who was it best? I forget the, the theorist who said all theories are wrong, but some are useful. I find that useful. And one of the psychological understandings the right-wing movement has used is that of social proof, that Twitter offers power not only because a lot of people see that thing, but because a lot of people can count the likes can look at it and say, oh, look at all the people that clicked the heart symbol on Twitter. That must mean that that is a view that a lot of people hold. And that's one of the reasons why it can be so valuable to have a bunch of bots go out and click like also. It's not only because then a few more people see your thing, because who, who the heck is following those bots? Some people, but maybe not everybody, not that many people. Uh, but it gives you an extra 10,000 or whatever the number is of little hearts on your Twitter thing, which offers more social proof. Best way to get somebody to look at the sky is not to look them in the eye and tell them to look in the sky. Best way to get them to look at to look at the skies. In fact, to look up at the sky and then say, look at the sky, and everybody will follow and, you know, look up at the sky. The, the social proof is one of the biggest drivers of our opinion that there is, maybe the single biggest. The, uh, Donald Trump, want, and, and, I've, and I've been tracking a couple things. One, if you, if you uh, Google uh, Trump, if you Google presidential polls right now, most of them will be about Donald Trump criticizing the Fox News poll that showed uh, him not getting over 39 percent of the vote against any of the leading Democratic candidates. That all of, that every single one of them beating him. And I don't think any I don't think he ever hit 40. I think he was 39 with all of them, wasn't he? Uh, but the other thing I find interesting is and, 
and I say it in response to your your comment on a candidate who's not getting big crowds. Donald Trump would like to define the success, uh, and I go and I read, you know, the bot comments and also human bot con- comments that say, "Oh, all these polls that say Donald Trump's going to lose." Uh, we can count the real poll. You you lied to us, but you were wrong back then in uh, in 2016. Uh, you're wrong again now. I, the poll that really matters is not only the votes, but is the crowds. It's the crowds that come out and the shouting they do and the send her back and send her back and the put her in jail. And those crowds demonstrate social proof. Those crowds say, oh, look, it must be socially appropriate to be in favor of a president and not listen to people who say he's a racist president, not say he's a president, not worry about a, a president who is uh, who people are criticizing for being corrupt or people are criticizing for tearing down democracy. But we should. But look at all these other people. If they like him, I can like him, too. But it's also one of the reasons it's, that we have to be wary of social media because so much of it is being rigged. The uh, and I even look at the Google results now as I Google uh, presidential polls and approval, and and so many of them. In fact, somehow, Zogby uh, say Zogby on from the Washington Examiner, and the Washington Examiner is not an important piece of journalism. It is not, and it definitely is not a progressive if, piece if, of journalism. If you go to if you go to the first two rows, a single story in Zogby gets one, two, three. Four of the eight boxes in the image search on saying that Democrats poor performance, and that's all you see, Democrats poor performance. Let's be clear. That's not because everybody's Googling poor performance and Democrats. It is because some, somebody has figured out how to manipulate the search engine results to make sure that Democrats and poor performance gets up in the search results. So let's be careful with and it's be careful with how we interact with social media, how we interact with the internet. Also a reminder of how we want to think about how we regulate the internet but then also how we think about to whom we give social proof. Dad, your turn. And the questions that are asked by pollsters are critical. If a pollster is really an honest pollster who really is after truth to the extent it can be obtained, they frame their questions so it does not push somebody into a particular direction. Polls are somebody like the Washington Examiner. Hey, they are going to push people in a particular direction. And the reason that DDT is mad at Fox is because horrors, they did a poll that really was trying to find what was going on and not just to push their political point of view and push his support. While we're, while we're talking about national stuff, I got a bunch of international stuff, but while we're talking about national, an unimportant thing we should warn people they had a taco eating contest. They always have these eating contests. And the winner of the taco eating contest died. Apparently he had one taco. Are you still the winner of a taco many. eating contest if you don't survive? <laughs> well, he, he didn't die on the scene. He went to the hospital and died in the hospital. <laughs> still, still. It's bold, they, it's bold they, to call that person a winner. They ought to take his blue ribbon back. Well, no. I mean, that's all those families got left. Maybe we should get a second blue ribbon. I'm not offering a conclusion. I just think it's an interesting question. Another one, not important, but I think kind of fun. Somebody started out as a joke, a proposal to rename the block of Fifth Avenue that runs in front of the Trump Tower in New York, Obama Avenue. Well, guess how many signatures that petition has already obtained? Take a guess. Oh, I thought it was 100,000 maybe? It's over 350 now. Yeah. It's over 350,000 people. It's not going to happen, but it sure would be fun. An important one on national news, Gatehouse Media, which owns the most outlets, the most media outlets in number, and Gannett, which has owns the media outlets that have the greatest circulation, are talking about merging. Put them together. And what this is, this reminds me of what is happening to print media and especially to newspapers in this country. And it's very frightening to me because one thing that a local newspaper provided when it was owned by the local newspaper folk it provided real reporting, or at least the possibility of real reporting on what was going locally. And it also provided, especially when there were two that might have a different philosophical or political slant, provided 
a common source of information for the people in the community. And less and less do we have a common source of information. So many people are getting all of their news from Fox News. Others are getting all of their news from MSNBC. Others are getting all of their news from what they choose, whose blog they choose to access. And those blogs, with almost without exception, have strong ideological and philosophical bents, which is eliminating the opportunity for people to talk about the same thing based on the same set of facts. And I've got to say, if I were on a school board, I would want to try requiring, requiring at the very latest junior high, middle, middle school, but maybe even better fifth or sixth grade, a class every day where the students read a newspaper. When they got a newspaper, they looked at it, they shared ideas about stories in it, so that we created, recreated an appetite for newspapers because I, I have great doubts that democracy, as we aspire it to, can really survive without a common source of information. Let's blast through some headlines so that we actually do some news with my dad. Uh, and, and I will say, whether or not we try to... Oh, but by the way, the, the merger of those two behemoths, that's very significant news. Not a, w wasn't a knock. I want to make sure we, okay. we, get, we, get, we get, let's get full news. If you listen to this program, you will get all the news that you need to make it through your day and make it through the next couple of days, we hope. Uh, but but offer one comment. I do, I do have a... I can quibble with myself about whether requiring a particular kind or even preferring a particular kind of news delivery system makes more sense. But without delving into that uh, that rat hole and avoiding getting into some more news, mine was not a comment about yours, but as an edit on myself, uh, the, even if all you did was deal with antitrust enforcement, even the only thing you did was make sure that in order to uh, that in order to compete, you weren't forced to merge to compete with behemoths or behemoths, but you were able to compete because behemoths weren't allowed to be predators. Uh, that if it's not, we have to figure out something new. All we have to do is figure out stuff we figured out hundred years ago, and you'd have a better media system and a better news system. And I was listening to a podcast, one of my least favorite real estate podcasts. And I know it's weird to have a least favorite real estate podcast and still listen to it from time to time. But the reason it's my least favorite is a lot of people in real estate have really bad politics. Right, that if you see politics, if you see the struggle of the American system as a tension between democracy and capital, or a, a, a tension between people who think that people should rule and people who think that property ownership should be what dictates power, which well, goes back to John C. Calhoun, or or goes back before the Magna Carta, man. That the <clears throat> that if you if you see that tension, then you could imagine that someone who lives most of their life uh, building power through ownership of property might have overlapping views with the primacy of property and how power should be distributed. So anyway, but I, this particular guy is, is, has pretty, pretty darn bad politics and consistently bashing, in his word, socialism, consistently bashing government, consistently bashing the idea that people should get together and make decisions together about the best way that things should work. And they, and they bash it because they want absolutely no limitation on the use of their property or whatever, not recognizing that the very existence of property, its existence in the first place, depends on having government. When I, but what I found interesting was listening to him he, is he started whacking the big tech giants. And, he, and this is a guy who could say, I never heard him say anything about antitrust enforcement in my life, right? He pretty much says, okay, here's how you get rich in real estate, and here's how to beat Democrats. I mean, that's pretty much all the guy talks about. But he started going after big tech giants. And he said, because recognize these big tech giants, they now are the government. They're a big, they're like government themselves. He wasn't a conspiracy theory, a theorist in that respect, just saying, listen, you don't have choice between these folks. If you want to leave Facebook, you don't really have somewhere else to go. You go to WhatsApp, well, they own WhatsApp also. You want to go to Instagram, well, they own Instagram also. If you actually want to maintain contact with these people in your life, you've got very few choices. Uh, if you want, have a search engine, you don't have that much choice in, in search engines right now. That they are, you don't have much choice in online purchasing. Amazon is dominating that field. That uh, And so I, that, that might be my straw in the wind. It's just this little one, you know, uh, right-wing libertarian guy saying, 
But let's move on to some. So I think the antitrust thing, I think, that's a, I think that is a potent supermajority potential uh, argument for future politicians. Any of our folks who listen, who want to run for office, who want to advise candidates, who go to house parties with candidates and want to say stuff, I'm telling you, antitrust enforcement is a big one. Yeah, there was a massive four alarm, four alarm fire at a Salem pallet business. Firefighters battling it uh, early in the morning. Large wood pallets burning in the blaze, according to the Salem Fire Department. Also over the weekend, authorities foiled three separate mass murder, mass shooting plots in Connecticut. A 22-year-old man was arrested after authorities said he'd expressed interest in committing a mass murder, a mass shooting on Facebook. 25-year-old man in Florida arrested after sending a text to his girlfriend that said he'd wanted to open fire on a large crowd of people. And finally, in Ohio, a 20-year-old, 20-year-old man was arrested for threatening to commit an attack at a Jewish community center. And all of those individuals, had they carried it out, would unquestionably have been using rifles, which the NRA insists they should have a right. And while we're talking about the NRA, which I now am, there... <laughs> turns out that the NRA not only spent over $200,000 on Wayne Pierre's wardrobe, not only put $70,000 up front towards the possibility of buying a $6 million mansion that the Pierre's, but it also spent six figures on not just paying for the treatment for Suzanne or Susan LaPierre, for her hair, but paying for the transportation of the hairstylist and the hotel rooms of the hairstylist sure get always How is the hairstylist going to cut the hair if the hairstylist isn't in the oh, same room? Oh, wow. But the, the scary thing is the a very high percentage of the NRA members are never going to know that, I suspect, because it will never be reported on Fox News, and you can bet your life Rush Limbaugh's not going to talk about it. Here to me is the scariest NRA news of the weekend and of the week. Is And, and shout out to Senator Ron Wyden, who slammed the Election Commission, the Federal Election Commission, FEC, for blocking an investigation into the Russian donations to the NRA. Uh, the Federal Election Commission declined to investigate, blocked the investigation. Ron Wyden called it inexcusable. His quote was, the blatant partisanship is appalling. It undermines our democracy. It leaves us vulnerable to continued interference in 2020. The news is the Friday, the commission deadlocked on a vote authorizing an investigation into the NRA, whether it illegally accepted Russian donations funneled through Maria Butina. Butina has pled guilty for acting as an unregistered Russian agent. Responding to an inquiry from Senator Wyden earlier in the year, the NRA admitted it accepted foreign donations, but insisted they were not connected to U.S. elections. The FEC chair said they have, quote, relied upon the NRA's own internal review of its donations, end quote. <laughs> on Friday, the vote on additional so investigation... Let's, ha- let's have the coyote guard the hen house. Was, the additional investigation was tied with a 2-2 vote. The commission's two Republicans opposed... Wyden responded to the vote saying a foreign adversary interfered in the 2016 presidential election. The response of Republicans at every level has been to bury their heads in the sand or actively obstruct getting to the bottom of what happened. What's next, Bob? Before we leave, well, kind of as a segue back to international, which I do well, let's want take to a break, but Let's take a quick break before that and, and uh, before we do international. So finish whatever you got there. Well, this, the segue is plastic. We got it. Plastic is... One, one study says that the United States uses uh, two kilograms of plastic every day for every American citizen, actually American resident. Microfibers have been found in Colorado rain. Plastic. And I'll say that... The history one day could write that the end of Homo sapiens was because of plastic. And George Carlin said that maybe the only reason for humanity was so that the Earth could have plastic, uh, that we're all going to die, but then plastic, which the Earth couldn't make for itself, they'll, they'll all of a sudden have it. Uh, the, uh, the baby manatee, it's actually not a ba- manatee, is, a, is it a dugong? Dugong, uh, dugong I think, is correct. And died uh, after, being re- after being recovered and saved and died because of plastic in its belly. They have found plastic at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. The and by the way, this is one of the one of more disturbing things, is that in 
when we the, the modern discussion, recent discussions about recycling, and I think people understand this, right? That recycling has been uh, has been an important thing. One of the reasons it made sense economically for uh, cities and for businesses to be engaged in is you had a big market for the recycled products, for the unrecycled products to turn into recycled products in China. And we'd ship all of this garbage to China. And then China would sort it and clean it and make it into stuff. Well, and then China said, we don't really want to do that anymore. Uh, and so we're going to require clean garbage. And the fact that all of us throw in our recycling with good intentions, but a little bit of laziness, you know, some dirty stuff means that we don't have very, we don't have good enough recycling. We have to become better recyclers. I think people understand that now. It's at least, or some pe- people listen to this program probably understand that now. But something that we learned in this process is that apparently it looks like China, the recipients of our garbage, weren't necessarily sorting and cleaning it. We can't just blame them because we were the ones shipping it to them in the first place. But they were taking huge loads of garbage, including huge loads of plastic and dumping it in the ocean. Yep. And so these big flotillas aren't just because the garbage found each other, but because big flotillas of garbage were probably put out to sea in the first place. Uh, Dad, despite warnings of the recession, Trump says that he is not worried. Uh, that is not interesting news that Donald Trump promotes the economy as he is president. Uh, but that is interesting news as there is more and more discussion about what the what is the economy going to do in the next six to 18 months? And he also says that recession, if it comes, is all because of a conspiracy from the media and from the head of the of the Fed. And when we, came, when we come back, we'll take international Dad's international headlines. We'll talk more about what's happening here in our hometown and in our good home state. Um, something I missed, though, shell workers, when I was talking about social proof, had I been a little better at this, what I would have done is also bring up the story from Esquire and from CNN of the workers at the Shell plant who were reportedly forced to attend the rally for Trump uh, in Pennsylvania. They weren't forced to. They just had to give up a day's pay if they didn't pay. Yeah, their options hands. were to either use their paid time off or to not receive pay for the day. According to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, they were also told that, quote, protesting or anything viewed as resistance, end quote, would not be allowed. Uh, missing Tuesday would have prevented workers from accumulating enough hours to earn the 16 hours of overtime built into their normal work week. According to the union leader, the or a union leader, not the newspaper, the losses for an employee who didn't want to attend Trump's speech might have totaled up to $700. So when I'm talking about social proof, what they recognize is to demonstrate this idea that Trump is popular. And this idea that Trump is popular is important for other people to agree with them, Right. That, uh, that apparently they're paying people or sort of backdoor paying people. Dad, let's run through international headlines. First, again, have to warn people, this is an unimportant one, but I find kind of fascinating. The town parents, and I use that term because town fathers, which is an age-old term, eliminates the possibility that some of the folks in charge Might of not the be small fathers. town of Porth Call are not men. Or even The town parents are very concerned about sex acts being committed in public restrooms. And so they are investing 170,000 euros, which is close to $200,000, in anti-sex toilet stalls. Now, what does that mean? That means that the toilet stalls are going to be weight-sensitive. So when the weight-sensitive stall suggests that there are two people in the stall, a high-pitched alarm is going to go off, water is suddenly going to be fizzed in to sprayed in, and the door of the stall is going to be flipped open. (laughs) That'll teach those people. So if you have a handicapped person who needs help in going to the bathroom, tough luck. If you happen to weigh more than two normal-sized people, tough luck. You better not use those bathrooms. <laughs> that just blows my mind. Important stuff. Well, I don't know how important it is. Donald Trump apparently really is serious that he'd like to buy Greenland. And something that is interesting has been made public because of that is a revelation of the very elaborate under-the-ice nuclear base that we tried to create in the 1960s. So we would have... In Greenland? In Greenland. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know it either, but because of the publicity over his wanting to buy Greenland, 
it caused, caused people to go back and look with why Greenland did well in the 1960s. There was an effort by the Pentagon to base nukes there, and they decided because the ice is too mobile that that wouldn't work. Here's a big one, not, not international news, but uh, and maybe we should do the thing where, we, where you do three headlines and I do three, but... Uh, but shout out to Emily Gilliland. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. But Planned Parenthood is, in fact, planning to uh, decline, to pull out of, of Title X, to pull out uh, over federal funds, over the Trump administration gag rule. Uh, there have been years, there have been so many years of fighting uh, calls to defund Planned Parenthood. Uh, for months, Planned Parenthood has been battling the Trump administration rule that prohibits family planning clinics that get any federal funding from talking with their patients about abortion or referring them to abortion providers. Uh, that gag rule has now led Planned Parenthood to say that it will pull out of Title X, the program that administers the funds, wow. rather than comply with the new regulations. That That is enormous. That is really That is enormous large. news. That is a very significant news. In less, in less important news, the uh, there have been... Uh, th there was a, a large, and, and this one I just didn't understand, and I and I don't need to understand it because we need to get to more important stuff, I suspect. But there was uh, CNN reporting nearly four tons of weed was discovered uh, inside a shipment of jalapenos from Mexico. And what I don't understand is is what are the economics of, of importing of weed importing when, marijuana? When we've got, when we've we got, got lots in the United States. States. In Oregon, There's just right over is. here. You don't have to go. <laughs> you don't have to get through Trump's wall. You don't have to pass through <laughs> customs. You don't have to put in a bunch of jalapenos, right? I mean, I guess they might check you. They might check you a big truck occasionally in between states as you try to ship your stuff. I don't know. Maybe it, it, I, I, I don't need to go further into that. Dad, Inter go ahead. Inter international. The Grace One, which Iran renamed the Adrian Daria One, a ship is going to be released by Gibraltar, and a court, federal court, has issued a a writ apparently authorizing us to take the ship because it is argue, reportedly, maybe not true, but reportedly violating our self-imposed embargo. And in, Iran is warning that if we do take that ship after it goes up back into the high seas, and the Mediterranean, of course, is high seas, the warning about what's going to happen to the traffic that goes to the Strait of Hormuz. And I have to ask, I don't understand what, what right the United States has, short of a declaration of war, to unilaterally commandeer a ship over a sovereign nation that it has unilaterally declared embargoed. That, 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 that is very, very troubling to me. Hong Kong, 1.7 million people turned out in Hong Kong, which is about 25% of the population of Hong Kong, to protest. I continue to have great fear of how that ultimately is going to end. For folks who are into currencies like bitcoins, reports now say that Hamas has gone heavily into bitcoins and other terrorist organizations and organizations branded as terrorists are going into bitcoins and other alternative currencies as a way to sidestep any currency controls. I don't know how important this is, but it's kind of troubling to me. The small town of Afula, I hope I pronounced that right, in Israel, had a concert planned in which men and women would be segregated, separated. Women's organizations took that to court, <coughs> saying that things like that are basically anti-women's rights, anti-women's freedom. The courts agreed with them, but it didn't agree with them in time, and the concert went off with a barrier, physical barrier, that men couldn't cross, women couldn't cross, separated men and women for a concert. 
They did put out a few chairs for men and women who wanted to sit together, but that was only because of a late ruling of the Supreme Court. But I, I am more and more troubled with how so much of religion, I guess not just these days, but historically, has been a dividing force rather than a uniting force, a force for hatred rather than a force for love, which reminds me that today is the World Humanitarian Day. I don't know what we're supposed to do with World Humanitarian. And another example of religion dividing us 63 people were killed and 200 people were injured over the weekend by a suicide bomber at a wedding in Afghanistan. The, the Islamic State claimed credit for it. They brag about sending a suicide bomber into a wedding to kill and maim innocent people all in the name of religion. While we're talking about days, also might mention today is Aviation Day. Again, I'm not sure quite what we're supposed to do with that. Researchers are mourning the first major Icelandic glacier lost to climate change. The glacier, whose name translates to the OK Glacier in English, was deemed dead in 2014 because it lost so much ice. Now scientists are placing a plaque memorializing the glacier as a message to further and future generations. Dad, a plaque a plaque doesn't seem to be nearly as likely to be seen as the glacier would have been. I suspect the plaque is a little smaller than the glacier. Uh, Oregon is, and we're about to do straw in the wind, but Oregon is, is set to spend $9 million on a new interstate bridge project. The return of the CRC is now again in the news and up to discussion. Thanks to new federal funding, Oregon was looking to get an additional set of dough that was not anticipated in the state's four-year transportation spending plan. Uh, Washington's lawmakers recently committed $35 million to create a new joint office dedicated to an interstate bridge project. Uh, six years ago, Oregon spent more than $175 million looking at the CRC. Planners argue the new bridge was needed to resist earthquakes and relieve congestion. Opponents said there was a much better plan. Uh, there was pushback against the light rail extension into Vancouver. Uh, Dad, we probably don't have much comment time for comment on that, but any other quick local headlines? I'm going to do the well, local quick six I, after this. I have one more international I want to mention. Okay. Again, this may not be important, but Netherlands, which is flat and therefore very conducive to people riding motor bicycles, they are building a three-story parking garage that will park 12,500 bicycles at a park-and-ride place to further encourage Netherlanders, Hollanders, to ride bicycles. And state and local, I think we ought to mention, Warm Springs has water back. Hooray, Warm Springs has water back. And on the downside, the Howard's Drugs in Lakeview has been found to be the 10th highest distributor in the entire United States of opioids. In one year, they dispensed enough opioid pills. Why, 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 I shouldn't comment. Why do you insist on pronouncing it opioids? Opioids? You like opioids? I don't, it's not a matter what I like. I just, I just think. Well, who gets to say? Well, I think the <laughs> standard pronunciation. It's a, kind of a new word. I, I mean, unless you would have said, I know... It's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like gerrymander. No, it's not. <laughs> gerrymander is because Elbridge Gary, and you're allowed to say the, the pronunciation of the I have a, I have a question. Why does it upset you so much? If you slip it by, I let it go by, but... It, okay. it's just opioids, opioids, opioids. Anyway, they sold enough opioids for every single resident of Lake County to have 68 pills for themselves. Every single resident... And Lens Drugs in John Day was 89th in the entire United States for dispensing opioids. That's a, that's a very troubling statistic. Well, Bob, I think it's time for a straw in the wind. I have two straws in the wind. Like a straw in the wind. Wow, she's really nice this morning. Two straws. Federal Judge Amy Totenberg has told Georgia 
by 2020 general election, you must have paper ballots, paper ballots or at least publishable paper ballots so that we will know that ballots are protected. And another straw in the wind, United Airlines has told its pilots that eight hours between bottle and throttle is no longer enough. That is a rule that the FAA has imposed to say you can't operate an airplane within eight hours of the time you've imbibed. United Airlines are telling their pilots 12 hours is the minimum. Well, Bob, we did it again. We did it again, and we'll be back on Thursday. Love you, Dad. Want to say thanks again to X-Ray members. Want to say thanks again to Tom Dwyer and Tom Dwyer Automotive, located right by the Selwood Bridge. We appreciate you so much and appreciate everybody who engages with X-Ray members and engages with X-Ray supporters and expresses gratitude. We appreciate that. Also want to say thanks to Morel Inc. Inc. on anything, mail, anywhere. We couldn't do it without people who support this program, our members and our sponsors. We love you. We appreciate you. X-Ray is proud to sponsor the Portland stop of Seattle-based R&B artist Sassy Black's album release tour on Wednesday, September 18th at Holocene. Joined by Brown Calculus, Kayla J, and DJ Mommy Miami to celebrate the release of Sassy Black's new album, Ancient Mahogany Gold. More information on Sassy Black's new album and upcoming release performances available at sassyblack.com.